Pastor Mike, thank you. What a joy it is to be with you. Kathy and I, we love serving as the district ambassadors. Together we visit lots of churches, but we've really been looking forward to coming to to Trinity. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I had my on my note, I wrote down the wrong time for this service. And so we, we, Kathy and I pull in about five minutes after nine. We, we, we thought the service started at 9.30, something like that. So, so we said, oh, we got a whole half hour early. And then we saw all these cars, all these people. Those people really come early to church. <laughs> but wow, what a joy. You know, uh, Trinity is a flagship church for, for the district. I, I'm sure you, you, you know that. And the thing that you have that I see and I tell people is, is the community-mindedness that you have, that, that you don't just serve yourselves. I see it. You, you serve the whole community. So John Wesley said, the world is my parish. And, and, and you minister to the whole community like that. That's beautiful. Not every church gets that. They don't understand that. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and what, a, what a wonderful uh, team you have. Uh, the, the whole pastoral staff, I see those guys, you know, over they come to SWU and have lunch. I get to eat lunch with them. And, and I just find the camaraderie there is so warm and encouraging. I just love that team. Pastor Mike, fabulous pastor. I think we ought to give Pastor Mike a big round of applause for all that he does to lead this church. You're a fine leader. He was a fine student, too. He was a good student. I only had to put him in the corner two times. There's some good news happening across the district. Um, there's a church being planted. I think their first official service will be in January. They're already baptizing people. Um, there's a, a, a new church that's starting. It, it had closed, and now it's restarting again up in Spartanburg. Some good stuff happening there. Um, Natasha Dongel is leading a church called Follow. It's sort of a, a house church kind of thing. But uh, already there, there's a young lady who's a part of that church from Mongolia, uh, who's a student at Clemson, I believe, and she is now going back to Mongolia as a missionary. Uh, there's just so many beautiful things that are happening, and even like working in the uh, Christmas parade, right, and all the kids that you guys are doing. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful um, connection. We're, we're going to be looking today at I, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. The early church called Isaiah the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, I think it's kind of interesting. It's chapter 40. You see, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and then 27 in the New. And there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that talk about the problem and then we come to Isaiah chapter 40 and hope springs, hope springs, hope turns the whole thing around and it, it just gives a whole different message. It's a message of comfort. It's a message of peace. It's a message of joy. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start in the third verse. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. 
and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. Now let's unpack this passage a little bit. What a powerful, wonderful passage. It says, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I've got a question for you. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready? You say, oh, are you kidding me, ready for Christmas? <laughs> but people started getting ready for Christmas right back in October, I think it was, when I was in Walmart. I said, what are they doing with Christmas stuff in October? That's what I want to know. Are you ready for Christmas? When you think about that, you say, no, are you kidding me? I haven't even begun my baking yet. I haven't even bought the wrapping paper yet. Of course I'm not ready for Christmas. One day I was out driving around and I, I, uh, I saw a monastery. It said monastery something, Saint something, so-and-so, monastery and retreat center. I thought, that's interesting. So I said, so I wonder what that's like. And I went in, there were these little monks walk, walking around with their little brown habits on and stuff. Right? Is that what they call it? Robes? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I saw a, a woman there who was obviously not a monk. And I said, um, excuse me, what, what are you doing here? You're, you don't seem like you belong here. And she says, I'm getting ready for Christmas. So getting ready for Christmas, I didn't see any wrapping paper anywhere. There were no cookies or anything. Like, what do you mean you're getting ready for Christmas? This was the first week of December. And she goes, well, I do this every year. I go to the retreat center for three days, and I pray, and I read the Christmas stories, and, and I get my heart tuned up so that I can face the onslaught of Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? That's the question. See, you got to be ready in here so you can be ready out there. If you're not ready in here, then Christmas becomes this high, tense, pressure kind of thing. It's full of anxiety and, oh, no, i got another obligation, another duty. That's what we're feeling when we're not ready for, for Christmas. But Isaiah chapter 40, it gives, us, it gives us an idea about how to make ourselves ready for Christmas, the voice crying in the, the wilderness. Now, now, the wilderness, by the way, we think of wilderness and we think of table rock. We think of wilderness and we think of waterfalls and beautiful mountain paths and things like that. That's not what he's talking about when he says wilderness. He's talking about desolation and desert and no trees. One time, Kathy and I, we were in Israel and we actually ended up in a wilderness excursion. This guy took us on a Jeep in the middle of nowhere. It was like 125 and, and there was no trees. It was, it was, we found one tree, one tree. It was like a Charlie Brown tree and, and, and everybody wanted to be under the shade of the Charlie Brown tree because it was so hot and miserable. That's, that's the idea of, of wilderness. It's miserable. Wilderness in the Bible is like a testing place. It's, it's, it, it's the place of, of testing. And that's why Jesus goes to, to the wilderness for 40 days. It says to be, to be tested. And the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness for 40 years and they were being tested. The problem with a test is if you flunk the test, it's like a driver's test. You got to keep on taking it until you pass the test. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Next week is final exams at Southern Wesleyan University where I teach. And I'm giving them tests. And, and I hope they pass 
the test. And so as you're going into this, there's a test that's coming. It's coming. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? And that's the test. And you'll keep on. So here's the deal. See, these, these tests, the tests are to humble us. That's, that's what the scripture says in Deuteronomy. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness? He did this to humble you and to test you to know what's inside your heart. Now, how about that? <laughs> um, to humble you and to test you. If I have a humble heart, if I have a trusting heart, then, then I'm, I'm ready. If, if I have an obedient heart to God, then I'm, 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 I'm ready. Are you going to pass the test? And there's a voice crying in that testing place, the wilderness, and, and, and it says, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, when, when I was a little kid, our family, we were taking a trip from up in Ohio where we lived down to, to, uh, to Virginia, I think somewhere in there, down south. And my father looked at the map and he said, hey, it's, I just saw this. Now, this is before GPS. And so he says, I saw, it looks like we, we, we make a lot better time on this little road um, called the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's a lot much shorter, much shorter miles. He says, we'll just do that. And we thought we would take, shorten our trip. But if anybody's ever been on the Blue Ridge Parkway, you will know that it is not a super highway. It is not one of those things where it's a straight shot. The Blue Ridge Parkway is like this and like this and it winds like this and like this and around and around and around like this with a cliff on one side and a, and a, and a mountain on the other. Mama had to take her nerve medicine two times. <laughs> what it says, it says there's a straight shot in the highway. It's not the Blue Ridge Parkway, it's a super highway. It's a straight shot. Make way, prepare the way of the Lord. See, that's what it is to get ready for Christmas. It's, it's, it's preparing the way for the Lord. If you have all these other activities and you haven't prepared the way for the Lord, it's not, it's not a straight shot for the Lord, then, then you're going to be all confused and all kinds of bad things are going to happen. Your life will be filled with anxiety and stress and, and overwhelming because, because that's how you're wired, to worship God, to honor him with your life, with your heart, with your mind, your thoughts, and your activities. You get things straight and then everything else will will fall into place. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Amen? Well, we go on in the passage, and it says, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. And the crooked places, they're going to be made straight. And the rough places will be smoothed out. The rough places will be a, like a plane. It says just smooth straight out. Now, now, do you see there? There are some different kinds of places, different spots that you see. There's the low spots, and there are the high spots, and there are the crooked spots, and there are the rough spots. And all of us, have these kind of spots that happen in our hearts, these times, seasons in our lives, in our hearts that need addressing. 
And that's what we got to do to make ourselves ready for Christmas. We need to look into our heart and we say, okay, where are the low spots? What are the low things that are going on, things that are too low that should be filled up? When I was, when I was a, a, at 18 years old, I I'd bought a car, an old car. And I noticed that that red light that said oil came on. But I figured that was just a suggestion <laughs> until I blew up my engine. Sometimes the oil in our lives goes low. Scripture talks about the oil of gladness. And maybe that's, that's been a little low in your heart lately. And we got to look and say, okay, what is low in my heart that needs to be raised up? It says every valley should be exalted. There's some low spots that we have that maybe need to be lifted up. Some places that we haven't been giving attention to the way that we should, and we need to lift that up. We need to pay more attention to those kinds of things. Sometimes we treat Jesus as if he's the spare tire rather than the steering wheel of our lives, and maybe we ought to make him the steering wheel, put him in first place, lift him up, lift him up, lift up the low spot. And we need to lower down the high spot. Sometimes Some stuff seems way too important. It's just way too important. In fact, you know what we end up doing? Uh, we, we, we make the things that are least important the most important, and we take the most important things and make them least important. Are, are there things that, that you do too much of, or you think that that is just is too important in your life, and you're scheduling your life around these things that really aren't that necessary, aren't that important? Well, maybe that's the high spot that needs to be brought down a little bit. Maybe there's some stuff that you're overextended, and you're doing too much, and maybe you need to ramp it back just a little bit so your, your soul can breathe. Lift up the low spot and lift up or lower down the, 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 the high spot when you're overwhelmed. How, how about straighten up the, the crooked spot? <laughs> Sometimes life can get messy. It just gets messy and confusing. And we can't quite figure it out. And, and, and we, we make things complex that ought to be simple. Anybody put a piece of furniture together from Ikea? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That it makes it way too complicated. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's some things in your life you need to decomplicate. To, to straighten up the, the crooked spot. And, and then there's some here this morning, you, you've been in a rough place. You've been in a rough place. And it says he'll make the rough places smooth, that he's going to smooth out the rough spot. And, and, and maybe if you've been in that rough place, you want to learn from it and grow from it. See, this is the test. This is the test. What is it that, that's going on in me that, that, that God is, is doing here? What's, what's he trying to do to smooth me out? Now, one of the dumbest ideas that I ever had was to buy my kids a gift for Christmas. It was a, a rock tumbler. That was, that was a terrible idea. But 
Don't buy your kids a rock tumbler for Christmas. I just say, if you had that on your idea list, because what I didn't realize was that for, to make rocks smooth and make them shiny and stuff, that thing has to go for a long, long, long time. And it, and it makes noise. It makes noise. It goes, it's like that for like weeks. Weeks, oh, finally, finally the day comes. We said, finally, we get to unplug that, that annoying rock tumbler, and now we can have our nice rocks, our nice polished up, shined up rocks. So, we, so I opened up the thing. Kids, here's the great unveiling, and I put it out, and it went bloop. Just, just, it was just gloop. It, it wasn't beautiful rocks. There, there was nothing there. It was just a pile of gloop. And I thought, all those weeks for gloop, that's all we got was gloop. So I brought the rock, rock tumbler back to the rock tumbler shop. I said, you sold me a defective rock tumbler. I, I, I want a refund. She says, there's nothing wrong with this rock tumbler. She goes, let me see. Oh, huh, here's the problem. You put soft rocks in there. Soft rocks. Have you ever heard such a thing as a soft rock? Marshmallows are soft, not rocks. There's the soft rocks in there. She goes, you need hard rocks. You need rocks that are made out of the right stuff. Oh, oh, and look at this. Your grit. You had all the wrong grit. You need stronger grit than that. Good rocks, good grit. You're going to have good gemstones. So I bought some good rocks from her and some good grit. Several more weeks. But, but, but the second time around, it actually worked. It actually worked. We got our precious gemstones. See, there's grace in the grinder. And maybe you're going through the rough place, but maybe what God's just doing is tumbling you. He's just tumbling you so you'll come forth shining like a gemstone. Lift up the low spot, lower down the high spot, straighten up the crooked spot, smooth out the rough spot. That's what we're talking about. And then, if you do that, you'll see the glory of the Lord. You'll see the glory of the Lord. That's what verse 5 says, the glory of the Lord will be revealed to you then. He'll just show it to you then. If you have your heart right, he'll show you his glory. And it says, all flesh shall see it together. For indeed, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, interestingly, the word shall keeps coming up over and over and over again in this passage. It doesn't say should. It says shall. Like this isn't just a list of things that you should do. No, it's a must. It shall be done. It shall be done. That's what we do. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The, the rough places shall be smoothed out. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all generations forever and ever and ever. That's what it'll be. It's a shall, not a should. Make it a shall. Make it a shall. It's going to happen. And that'll make me shout because I'm going to shout. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, this is interesting. All flesh, it says, shall see it together. 
Just a couple of verses before this, it's talking about his own people, my people, comfort my people. And so these are words of comfort for my people. But then this verse says, and this is not just for you guys, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for your neighbors. It's, it's for those that need it the most. You know the conflict that people have had about, like, say, Christmas and and holidays. You know, like, you know, they, they use, sometimes people don't use the word Christmas. They want to use the word holidays instead of Christmas. And But it doesn't do any good to be really nasty about that, by the way. Don't, like, say, if, say if the clerk at Walmart says, happy holidays, don't say, Merry Christmas, that's what it is, Merry Christmas, don't say happy holidays. Don't, don't do that. It just makes you a jerk. Don't do that. In fact, actually, when you think about it, the word holidays means holy days. Happy holy days. We'll take a holy day. Okay, we'll receive that. But the word Christmas, what does it mean? What does it mean? Christ, mass. Mass, that's what the Catholics do, right? It's It's a worship service for Catholics. No, it's different than that, actually. It means worship. Yeah, there's part of it that means worship, the word mass but it actually comes from an old Latin word, misare. I think mitare, I think is where it goes. And then it goes to misare, which, which actually means sending out, dispersal, sending out, like dismissal. Like, boom, that's what the word dismiss means. It means to send them out, send them out. Christmas, Christ sending out. See, if you're preparing your heart for Christmas, then you're not just preparing it for Christ to come and do this stuff for you to lift you up and to take down and to smooth it out and straighten it up. This is for others. This is for your neighbor. This is for the person that you don't like very much. This is the person that causes tension in your life. It's for those people too. And you are to go out. It says, all flesh shall see it together. This is a two-way street is what we're talking about. That the grace comes into me, and then I'm going to send it out to them. And so you're going to look around, and you say, you pray. You say, Lord, would you give me eyes to see? Help me to see my neighbors the way you see them. Help me to see the people that are around me the way you see them. There's somebody around you that needs to be lifted up. And God is sending you like a missile, Christmas. You're the missile. And you, you get to lift them up. And there are some that are facing mountains that are too big and they just can't see their way through. But God's going to use you to help bring it down so that they can manage this thing. And there are some that are all messed up. That's just a crooked mess in their life. And God's going to use you to help them to see a straight path. And there are some that are in a rough, bumpy spot, and God's going to use you to smooth it out for them. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take that pledge and say, Lord, yes, whatever you want, that's what I want. And just as you've done this for me, I'm going to do it for others because that's what Jesus did for us, isn't it? I mean, he humbled himself. He, he, he came down to our low spot. 
And then he was raised up, raised up, he raised up. He raised on the cross and then he rose again from the dead. There's the high spot, right? And he straightened out a crooked system. Remember, he cleaned out the temple and all of that, all of this religious complexity. And he says, no, no, no. It's love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. You made it way too complicated. Just straight shot. Do that. And, and he comes to our, our rough spots and he says, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And if he can do that for us, we can turn it around and we can do it for them. Now, when I think about this passage of Scripture, there's something that always comes to my mind. When, I, when Pastor Mike told me this was the passage we wanted to do today, the first thing that came to my mind was Handel's Messiah. Anybody familiar with Handel's Messiah? The, the, the song. In fact, there's a sing-along this afternoon. I don't think I have time to make it there, but I wish I could. Um, it's in Anderson, where you actually get to sing right along with them. And hallelujah, you know, and, and Handel's Messiah is awesome. It's just awesome. It's the greatest uh, musical masterpiece, I think, of all time. And the guy that wrote it, his name is George. And George was just a washed-up musician, He'd been fairly successful, but then no hits for a long time, and, 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 and nobody bought his stuff anymore, and nobody came to his concerts. In fact, he, he shows up at a concert. He's 56 by this time, and he, come, he does a concert, and no, nobody hardly showed up. He said, well, at least the acoustics were good, because <laughs> nobody was there. So he decided to retire. He said, I'm washed up. I'm done. He was discouraged. There were bills coming in. Everything seemed to be going wrong. What's the use? I quit. And a guy named Charles Jensen, who's a friend of his, he says, hey, could you help me out? I know you're not so busy these days. Um, I wonder if you could put some music to this libretto that I've written, a libretto. A libretto is like the words for like an opera, except for this libretto was just Bible. The whole thing was just Bible words, and it was telling the story of Jesus and the coming of, of Jesus, and so if you've ever heard the Messiah, it's like two hours of just scripture. The whole thing is just scripture, and it starts with Isaiah chapter 40, comfort, comfort my people, tell them her struggle's over. Her, her iniquity is pardoned. And the voice is crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's why, I mean, they sing it with ups and downs. and They, they, they sing one line like 1,500 times. It, but it, it's beautiful. And then the tenor comes out and he sings, every valley shall be exalted. That's what he says. Every valley and every crooked place is straight the mountains and hills made low and the rough places plain. They sing it. Later on uh, in that thing, they, they go to the Hallelujah Course. You know that with the Hallelujah Course? You know, not the Disney, the Shrek version. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the Hallelujah Course. By the way, if, if you want to be blessed, go to YouTube and Google a Flash Mob Hallelujah Course and you'll get it. There's 
55 million people, I just checked this morning, 55 million people have seen it so far. And it, people singing the Hallelujah Chorus at a Burger King. I love that. Well, here's what happened. He wrote the music to this song in 24 days. He just stayed inside his house. People brought food to him. He just stayed there day and night, and he's just writing the music. It just kept coming to him. One, one, one person um, came to see him one day in the middle trying to bring food to him, and they said he was just weeping, and he was saying, I've experienced God. I've seen God. I've seen God. He was writing the Hallelujah Course at that time. Well, it got done. He wrote the whole thing in just a short period of time. They did the first concert. It was, a Christmas, it was an Easter concert, actually. It was an Easter concert. He did it as a benefit, a benefit concert to help debtors who were in prison, people that couldn't pay their bills. If you, if you uh, didn't have enough money, they would throw you in the slammer until enough people would collect money for you to pay your bill. Then you could get sprung, get out of jail free then. But, but, but you had to pay the money. And there were a lot of people that were in prison in England at that time. And, and, and so he does this concert and invites people to come. And so many came and their hearts were so moved and touched that they took an offering at the end and collected 400 pounds. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to you probably, 400 pounds. But in today's economy, that would be $800,000. 800, almost a million bucks they raised right there on the spot after hearing Handel's Messiah. 142 debtors were released from prison that day. One of his biographers said, the Messiah has fed the hungry, clothed the naked, fostered the orphan more than any other single musical production ever in human history. And it all goes back to Isaiah chapter 40, where God lifts us up when our hearts are down. And the things that seem so important, he'll take those down so that the main thing's the main thing. And when things are confusing and complex, he'll straighten it out so he'll fix your mess. There's a message in the mess, right? And things are rough, he'll smooth it out too. We serve a beautiful, beautiful Lord. Would you bow your head with me and let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for speaking your truth and your grace to our hearts. Lord, I pray for the one today who has felt cast down or or overwhelmed. Things are just a mess. It's rough. They're confused. Speak your word. Put a highway there, Lord, the highway of holiness, your presence, and show us the way that we will walk upon that way. And Lord, we will take the peace that you've given to us and help us to pass that peace to somebody else who needs it. And Lord, I thank you for this wonderful church the beautiful things that you've done down through the years through Trinity Wesleyan and and the wonderful things that are yet to come. May the best days in the life of this church be yet to come. And even right around the corner, may they see miraculous things, wonderful things. So we pray, Lord, for your richest and deepest blessings upon this precious church, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.
And all God's children said, amen and amen. Thank you for sharing with us, Brother Mark. I will say that I actually, and it's bad theology, but I actually had a different explanation for Christmas. Uh, I took three years of Spanish, and Moss in Spanish means more than that. And I want more of Christ, and that's what the season ought to be as well. But I think what you said is biblically correct. So it is such a blessing to be able to worship with you this morning. I believe today that God... Uh, desires to do great things through the church, and he is sending us out. So as a part of what Mark shared today, uh, our desire is to be sent out to go bring the message and the hope of Jesus Christ to the world around us. If you can, we encourage you to come for Sunday school. Next week, I just want to remind you, our service is at 1030, and it is a combined service with both the, normally the 915 and the 1130 service. And we would love to have you as a part of that as we worship together through music. There will be a message as well. So I didn't get to preach this morning. You know I'm going to preach next Sunday. And it's probably not going to be a five-minute sermon. So just prepare yourself already. So next Sunday uh, we will have a combined service at 1030. So if you come early, we're going to put you to work. Uh, so you're welcome to come early, but you'll have a job to do if you do that. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Go out and be a blessing and present Christ. Mark, would you like to go out there so they can greet you as they leave as well? Thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace.